Welcome to Pump, the inside podcast by Schwalbe. I'm your host Tobias Wogon and I'm talking with Schwalbe athletes from different disciplines, from downhill to cross country and from road racing to triathlon. This week we're talking to Ella Harris. Ella is a young road racer from New Zealand who won the Swift Academy in 2018 and then she turned pro for the Kenyan SRAM Pro Tour team in 2019. How she won the academy and what she experienced in the first year as a pro athlete, you will find out in this episode of Pumped. Ella, welcome to the podcast and thanks a lot to uh, yeah spend the time to record this podcast with us. Um, I mean, we're in Germany, we're pretty early in the day and you're 10 hours ahead of us. So you already had your, your training day going. So um, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, I'm a bit of a time traveler, eight o'clock at night here, but that's all good. So, um, yeah, where are you at the moment and how is it going with all this stuff going? Um, yeah. Um, so I'm in Dunedin, New Zealand, where I live with my family. So it's in the South Island of New Zealand. Um, I've been here for a month now. I went to Spain for a little bit to move over for the season, but unfortunately I cut that very short. Um, I was over there for two weeks, did a bit of training, but then as the coronavirus escalated over there, I came back to New Zealand fairly promptly. So I've been here ever since, just um, waiting it out really. Okay, so this was a really short trip. So the Spanish government basically kicked you out of the country or... Um Yeah, how, how was your idea to, to leaving the country? Uh, so basically I was training one week and then uh, the situation, like I say, it escalated um, really fast from both the virus and the government perspective. So um, the lockdown was starting to come in force uh, to the point where It was a complete lockdown, basically. So um, one week we were allowed to do whatever we wanted. And then the week after, um, you could only go out to go to the supermarket. You had to stay in your apartment. Um, you couldn't go out riding at all, that sort of thing. Uh, so I was by myself at the apartment and it wasn't a very great quality of life. <laughs> uh, being alone, <laughs> um, just just me and the and the trainer, really, um, me and the tax and Zwift. So um, it got to a point where I stayed for a few days, but other riders from Australia, New Zealand, America, basically, uh, if you weren't from Europe, riders were leaving. So it got to the point where I thought it would be the best idea. So booked a ticket at 10 o'clock at night and then got out the next morning and, yeah, came straight back home. Um, and I guess the situation here is fairly similar. We're also in lockdown but there's a lot more freedom and I'm with my family and my dog's here so it's very comfortable and um, I'd much rather be here for a lockdown than in Spain by myself. Yeah I mean looking back it was a pretty smart idea to leave the leave Spain because yeah I mean it's 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 crazy there they they really can't um, leave the house so um, and it's always good to be with your be with your family in in difficult times. 
So you're from New Zealand and yeah, exactly. You're from New Zealand and since 2019 you're racing for the Kenyan SRAM Proto team. And correct. How did yes. you get the spot in the team? So I joined Kenyan SRAM through the Zwift Academy, which I won in 2018. And most of the people uh, will know Swift, but could you explain what it is for the rest of us? <laughs> so, um, in a nutshell, Swift is an interactive cycling platform. Uh, you can cycle indoors on your trainer in the comforts of your living room at home um, while hooked up to almost a computer game. And you can have an avatar that cycles around virtual roads in a gaming-like system, really, um, a gaming format. So there are power-ups. You can ride with other people in real time. You can um, collect badges. You can ride different courses. You can race people. You can have competitions um, with people from all over the globe, but from your own living room on your bike, basically. So gaming for cyclists. <laughs> um Yeah, you won the Swift Academy um, in 2018, and Correct, there were yes. around 5,000 female participants. And what what mm. the the concept of the whole academy thing, and what are different step you steps you had to go through? So first of all, you sign up for the Swift Academy. So it's a at the time when I did it, it was a 12 session. Uh, program so you complete 12, se 12 sessions which are comprised of I think there were four maximal effort tests involved so you do a session and there might be a one minute test in there um, a four minute test a 10 second test a 10 minute test they just wanted to um, look at your maximal physical capabilities really but alongside that there were also some challenging workouts that you had to complete on Zwift and also a couple group rides. So there was a bit of community interaction and lots of hard work. And <laughs> from there, they select a top 10. Um, so the top 10 is made up of who the coaches think to be uh, the riders with the most potential from the all these Zwift Academy graduates. So everyone that completed the 12 sessions. So obviously the maximal testing that you do that comes into it a lot. So they look at all your data and um, all your testing and see what your physiological capabilities are. Um, so from there in the top 10, you complete a further seven workouts. I think there were four on the ERG, three on the road. It was again, a mixture of testing and also just really tough interval sessions. There was a session that included two times 12 minutes as hard as you can on the uh, trainer with very limited recovery. So that was one that I'd put off for a while and was dreading it, and it was very good to get it done. Um, and from from the top 10, they select the top three. Again, it's more performance. It's a performance-based thing, so they select who they think to be the top three riders from that top 10. So that top three are the finalists for the Zwift Academy. And from there, the finalists go to the Canyon SRAM training camp in um, which has been held in Malaga both times, well, 2018 and 2019. Uh, so in 2019, I went to Malaga for the Zwift Academy finals at the team camp. So from there, we then completed another series of all sorts of tests from personality testing to on-road testing, bike handling, more Zwift workouts, that sort of thing. And from there, the team selects who they want to be 
on the team for the next season after that. So who ultimately gets the contract with Canyon SRAM. So in 2018, that was me. So I was the Zwift Academy winner and I joined the team in 2019. And then I had my contract renewed for this season as well. So 2020. So that's... And that's that. (laughs) Sounds like a a great uh, system to scout new riders for your team. So when you joined... um the Swift Academy, was there always this uh, Kenyan spot on the line or does that uh, came later? No, so that is the ultimate prize for the Zwift Academy. So that's always the pipeline dream. When you sign up, you see that that's the the prize for the winner. Yeah. So that's what you're shooting towards, basically. That, that's so great. Um, in my, my racing days, I always hated to be on the trainer and always flew to the... Um, Yeah, to the sun for for road riding. But these days, it seems like a lot of people <laughs> prefer to stay at home and and train on the trainer. Um, what's the the big advantage of the trainer? Yeah, it's a little bit weird. So I have never been a big fan of indoor training, um, but I was forced onto Zwift a few times uh, due to in, due to injuries. The first time being when I broke my elbow. So then when the Zwift Academy. I saw the, the sign-ups for that. I wasn't so um, phased by the idea of having to spend a lot of time on the indoor trainer. But at the same time, I've always really loved going outdoors. And whenever I could, if it was raining, I'd always still try and go outside. But in current times, I've actually found myself on Zwift for, um, at the moment, it's been 16 days in a row. I just haven't had the desire to go outside Um partially due to the fact that it's not really seen as the done thing to go too far from home at the moment. And also, I think there's just something really comforting about being able to train indoors at the moment when it's just it's nice to be inside anyway. And I find that the training on the um, on Zwift and um, on the ERG is just it's just so quality. Obviously, there's nowhere to hide. You don't have traffic lights you can stop at. You don't have downhills that you're coasting along. There's no time for rest. So you're just constantly pedaling the whole time. And I think that's one of the main reasons that makes training indoors um, such a useful tool. And also, um, programs like Zwift, they provide workouts that you can do. You can do races. So you're constantly pushed to your maximum, really. Um, And you're always just... um, just having to put in lots of effort, um, whether it's through doing a workout or just riding with friends on Zwift or entering a race. Like it's just, you can only be on there for an hour or 90 minutes and you've already done a really solid session and you just want to sleep for the rest of the day. So (laughs) I think that's the main reason I really like it. It's just quality rather than quantity. And are you mostly playing this multiplayer game or is it mostly single solo rides and... um... (laughs) What 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 you prefer? I've been I've been doing a bit of both recently. I've uh, I've been joining a few group rides. I've been doing a lot of racing. There's a really good series that um, the New Zealand Triathlon Organization put on on Saturday mornings. So I get absolutely hammered in that every uh, Saturday by some of the some of the top triathletes in New Zealand as well as some of the top New Zealand cyclists. So. There were over there were 200 in that race this morning, so that was quite the multiplayer game. But then I also love to just uh, tap around Watopia by myself, ticking off a few of the challenging routes and 
gaining badges on Zwift. That's my new favorite thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) And normally the first race in the season, it's where everything has to show what he, what they is, they done over the winter. Um, And now when you can meet the guys online or the the people online during the whole winter, is it the same or do you... Do you know the whole winter where the other people from the team or your, yeah, the 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 people you race against um, are on the on which level they are at the moment, or you try to hide it? Um, no. See, I'm I'm pretty open. I've always been really open when it comes to my training. I don't really care um, if other people see what I'm doing, uh, duration, distance, power wise. I don't really care. I'm an open book. So uh, if you want to look up my Strava, that's fine by me. But at the same time, I think it's it really just depends on how people are taking the current time because we don't know when racing is going to start again and we don't really have a target to work towards. So it's not like we can um, really plan training around anything or work towards any goals. So I think um, riders are taking this period very differently so some won't be doing much riding at all whereas um, other riders like me are becoming a little bit too addicted to Zwift so (laughs) I'm probably doing a little bit too much too soon so there are many there are many different approaches at the moment and I don't think uh, there's a particularly right method um, at this stage it's just doing what suits you and whether that's just um, just letting the legs turn over slowly and um not peaking too soon or, you know, not trying to smash yourself in a Zwift race, um, whether it is smashing yourself in a Zwift race and um, doing lots of efforts and that sort of thing. I, it's just completely up to the up to the individual rider and their coach at the moment. So I'm not really looking into what other people are doing um, and they're probably not paying much attention to me. It's just whatever goes at the moment, I think. So going back to the early days, you started to race um, triathlon and then you switched to road racing. So why was the the change? Basically, I discovered I couldn't swim very well. I really wanted to be an ITU, an ITU triathlete. That's all I watched on TV. And you've got to be a pretty good swimmer to be able to do that. And I could swim well, but I just wasn't fast. So I always got left behind in the swim and then I'd... I'd uh, start to catch up on the bike and then I'd always run through the field. But as I grew up, my running deteriorated, had a few knee injuries, that sort of thing. So in the end, cycling was the only thing that I could still do reasonably well. So it was the only option left. But at the same time, I really enjoyed it. And I think um, some people saw that I had a little bit of um, a little bit of talent, I guess, um, when it came to cycling. So I decided to just pursue that further and see how far I could get with it. And how did your racing look like before you enter the Swift Academy? So I predominantly raced in New Zealand and Australia, but I'd also been over to the US and Canada and was starting to, I'd sort of reached the peak of New Zealand racing, I guess. There wasn't really much else I could do in New Zealand because we don't have that much racing anyway. So I'd sort of explored all those options. Um, I knew that Australia would be a little bit of a step up from New Zealand, but it wasn't really the step up that I needed. So yeah, so I'd been racing in the US and Canada doing criteriums and that sort of thing. But ultimately, um, in the near future, uh, I was looking at going to Europe and trying to race 
in Europe as that seemed to be the logical step towards achieving my goals of you know making it as far as I could in cycling so yeah I'd done a little bit of international racing but at the same time I was very inexperienced when it came to the whole European side of things as after all that's where where cycling's at basically and yeah I hadn't done any of that so that's where I was looking to yeah then you turned uh, pro 2019 and what was the biggest difference in racing and with the yeah with the whole team so you you got all the support um did did that help you a lot to improve your your fitness and your your racing yeah definitely the way I see it is that I had every possible support help um I had everything I could have possibly have wanted to be a good cyclist by joining the team I had such a nice bike I had physios um team support sponsors that sort of thing so if I was going to make it as a professional cyclist then it would be through the team if I didn't if the joining Canyon SRAM didn't work out then I think deep down I would have known that I just wouldn't have cut it I wouldn't have been able to make it as a professional cyclist because if I wasn't able to do it with that support system then uh yeah I don't think I would have been able to do it in any other way so yeah so much changed when I joined the team but at the same time I had um as much support as I could have possibly imagined to be able to cope with all the changes so the likes of moving to Europe entering completely foreign territory um, both obviously moving to Europe, but also in the racing. So um, there are so many unfamiliar factors and different factors um, when it comes to European racing compared to racing in New Zealand, Australia, or even the US. Like the roads are tiny, the fields are massive, there's wind. There are so many different tactics when it comes to racing in a team, which I hadn't really been exposed to before. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was just a massive learning curve, but at the same time, um, I was able to make it work. So that was very pleasing. <laughs> <laughs> And how was your first um, first season? It completely blew my mind, really. I think back on the reservations and some of the, um, some of the insecurities I had uh, before joining the team. And I sort of had expectations and um, hopes about how the year might um, pan out, but they were just completely um, discarded, really, and everything just exceeded my expectations and my imaginations. Like, it was just, yeah, it was it was an amazing year. I don't think I could have imagined it going better, so, yeah. <laughs> Even though I had a few setbacks, like, you know, the old two broken collarbones, it was, yeah, it was pretty successful. Nice. So, um, as you already said, the most of the racing happens in Europe. How is it as a Kiwi? Are you going back and, and forth the whole time or are you staying in Europe? No, so I stay in Europe, in Girona, in Spain. So, Girona seems like the one of the places to be for, for training. Some of the top triathletes live there. And what is so good on, on Girona? Yeah, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I was just told that Girona was where I was moving, so that's where <laughs> I went. And to be honest, I'm I'm not complaining. It's a great place. There's so many other cyclists and triathletes who train there, so it's a really nice community. You can meet lots of new people. 
Um, it's quite like a familiar environment despite being so foreign and away from home. There's lots of really nice cafes, which is also what we've got over the side of the world as well. <laughs> so that's a big positive. And lots of Australians and New Zealanders and quite a um, what we'd say an expat community. So lots of foreigners living in Girona, which is really nice. And the roads are amazing for training. The climate's brilliant although it's a little bit too hot at times for me but I deal with it as best as I can um yeah it's just a it's a really nice place and everything's so accessible and the old town's just it's lovely so yeah I really love it there and the um the Kenyan team renewed your contract this year and this should be your second pro season and it's a super important one because yes. you need to show that you're consistent And with all the corona crisis is happening and it's hard to predict um, when they will be racing again. But how was your feeling after the, the off season? Did you, did you felt super fit for 2020? Yeah, I definitely felt going into 2020 um, that I was, I was ready to, to build on what I'd learned last year and some of uh, everything I'd experienced and yeah, I was just ready to go into 2020 and start to prove myself a bit more when it came to the pointier end of races. I'd had a little bit of exposure to, um, to racing it, um, to racing in some of the tougher finishes and I had a few promising results. So I was really looking forward to building on those and hopefully being able to, um, enter some of the bigger races with the team and do some more of the world tour races and prove myself um, to be a really uh, useful domestique for some of the more experienced riders in the team and then also have a chance to go for my own results again in some of the smaller races. So hopefully that can still happen uh, if, <laughs> if the current situation clears up in reasonably fashion, yeah. in reasonably quick fashion, hopefully... August, September, we'll be back out there. So fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully. So when, when did you first heard about the corona things going on? Yeah, I've been thinking about this, actually. It's quite strange. I, I remember when we went to um, Australia for Tour Down Under, and there was just some talk about um, being wary of uh, Chinese passengers and... Um, the Chinese weren't being allowed into New Zealand mm -hmm. and it was just seen as this, um, it was just quite a, a far away distant issue. And then I spent about a month in Australia and coming back, it was more apparent that there was this virus going around and at the airports, we had to be a little bit careful. And I was starting to get communication from cycling New Zealand and other sources to say, you know, take these precautions when you go to the airports. And then even when I left to Spain, it was starting to build up a little bit more and that was only two weeks before Spain went into lockdown. But even then, um, people were taking precautions at the airport and when I left New Zealand, there were a few questions like, have you been to mainland China in the past uh, 30 days? And uh, they were just asking things like that. And I was like, no, um, I haven't been in touch with this virus. And then it just escalated so fast. Going through Heathrow, there were... Um, you know, a few more people wearing masks and you'd sort of laugh at them a little bit thinking, <laughs> like, you know, what are you up to? And then, yeah, as soon as I got to Spain, it really started to ramp up and coming back, it was a little bit surreal actually traveling on the planes because, yeah, people were just, it was being taken so seriously and Barcelona airport was just like a ghost town. It was, yeah, it was crazy actually. 
And how does uh, that affect your training for this season? Yeah, I think it, it definitely affects my training, but at the same time, I'm still able to train as per usual. It's just how much and um, what I should be doing on the bike at the moment, which is the which is what the the question mark hangs over really, because like everybody else, there's no real target. Um, there's no race on the calendar that's uh, definitive, so there's nothing to work towards. So in saying that, you can't really build training towards anything. So at the moment, I'm just uh, keeping the legs ticking over, probably yeah, doing a little bit too much Zwift, like I say. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm still training as normal, but it's it's yeah, it's hard to know what to do and how much is too much and how much intensity you should be doing when you don't actually know how much racing you'll be having towards the end of the year. And I guess there could be a lot of racing between August, September and November, a lot squeezed into a very short amount of time. So it's all about not burning yourself out too early and just keeping reasonably fresh because yeah, there's going to be, there could be uh, the potential for, a lot of miles and a lot of racing on the bike at the very end of the year. So just got to keep that at the back of my mind. And um, yeah, we, we hope that there will be racing pretty soon. But if they decide to to quit everything for this year and start next year again, do you think there is a possibility to shift the this year series on, on Swift with all the, the pro athletes and doing almost the the same, yeah, the same races, but online? Yeah, I think it's really hard to say. I think definitely there'd be a lot of interest in having more racing on Zwift. And I think if there was no racing for the rest of the year, then there's no other reasonable alternative. So I think everyone wants to get their racing fix and get competitive. So I think we'd definitely see more riders on Zwift. But at the same time, it's I think it'll be a little bit hard to try and replicate some of the classic races which they've postponed to the end of the year and also some of the races that are held at the end of the year. It would be hard to try and mimic those on Zwift, like you know, Strada Bianchi and the Road World Champs on Zwift would be a little bit odd. But at the same time, if all racing was cancelled, I would love to do a Zwift World Champs <laughs> because I'm I'm really motivated on Zwift at the moment. So the more Zwift racing for me, I'd, I'd be pretty stoked right now, actually. <laughs> And do you think there would be the same favorite favorite riders, or would they be would they changed? Yeah, it's hard to say actually. I'm not too sure. Although in the pro series race we did the other day, Ashley Mormon Passio absolutely demolished the field. So she'd definitely be a favorite, and she'd be a favorite in real life as well. So <laughs> I think there'd be quite a bit of crossover. But at the same time, they talk about the gamification on Zwift. So yeah, there'd be. A lot of learning for some riders, I think. And is there a mental factor as well that it's... I mean, on Swift, you can't really crash um, and it's not, not that dangerous. Yeah. So is, is there a, a different mental aspect coming to the racing? Yeah, definitely. I think um, there's nothing to lose on Swift, but at the same time, it's just how much do you want to hurt? <laughs> it's never easy. So so I think from a mental point of view, it's it's less about crashing and it's more about just being able to withstand the pain and just go as deep as possible because ultimately the riders who do well on Zwift are the ones that can really push themselves above and beyond the limits. So that would definitely come into it, I think. Cool. So um, the last question we, we always ask, when 
all this opens up again and there's racing, what would be your favorite race to do? I really want to do the world champs in Switzerland at the end of the year, but I think that's probably that probably has the highest chance of going ahead right now because it is at the end of the year. So I just think any racing actually, I'm I'm not picky. Any race will do. I just want to get out there and ride my bike um, outdoors in an actual race. Zwift racing is nice, but nothing beats the thrill of going down a descent or riding with your teammates around you and actually being able to uh, to see other people racing. So. <laughs> You can't really you can't really get that interaction on Zwift. So yeah, any race will do for me. Okay, so thanks a lot for your time. Um and not a problem. The podcast. So we we wish you all the best with your training and um yeah, hopefully there will will be some racing soon on Swift and um some racing soon outdoors. So thanks a lot and um, yeah. yeah, talk soon. Thanks. Cool, thank you very much.